God, that is our prayer this morning, that you would breathe on us your Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I get to share with you a passage of Scripture that has captivated me for years, and particularly the last few months. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. I can relate to that. I don't know if you can. And then he says this part, and this is the part that just intrigues me. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus uses the metaphor of the wooden harness that they would put on cattle back in his day, beasts of burden, to pull a plow or a cart, to say to them, do what I tell you to do. And even more, attach yourself to me, and you will find rest for your souls. And I go over this part again and again. For my yoke is, what? And my burden is, And then I think about my life and what I've experienced most of the time. And you can just ask my wife when she tries to give me a back massage and tries to work the knots out of my neck. For years, I've come under a yoke that has ultimately left me weighed down in many ways. You know, I can endure. I can can push through, especially if I get a good night's sleep or a little exercise or the occasional venti frappuccino. And if I can sit on the couch on the weekends and throw my feet up and watch a little football, don't talk to me unless you want to know what the score is. And it keeps me going. It keeps me going when people notice. That helps. And I get some kudos, a little praise. And people are like, good job. That was amazing. Like, okay, good. I can keep doing this. But there comes a point where this pressure gets me so weary that I snap at people. And you can ask my wife about that, too. And I can sometimes end up in situations where I'll go to these, I call them counterfeit comforts, that are often dangerous and destructive. What keeps me doing this? I wonder to myself sometimes. Well, when I was in fourth grade, I went to Husky basketball camp. And the coach said, if you want to play college ball, boys, you've got to practice every day. I want to play college ball, so I practice every day. And then I went to high school, and they said to me, if you want to get into the best college, in order to have the best future. And if you wanted to have any hope, then you got to get a good SAT score. And you got to get a good GPA. So I said, okay, i got to study. i got to study. And I said, well, the reality is so many people get that these days. You've got to round it out a little bit. Join a club here and there. Maybe run for office. So, okay, business club, debate team, student body president. I'm going, I'm going. But you got to get community service hours. Okay, community service hours. Help the poor and uh, help some old ladies. Make sure someone sees you so they can sign off the form. Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. But you got to be the best, the best, of the best, the best if you want to get into the best school. And maybe you just start a business by the time you're 15 and eradicate third world debt, and then you're sure to get it. Okay. And then at church, somehow I got the message. They kept saying, if you want to be a Christian, you got to be nice. So I ran like this. And then I started picking up that to be popular, you got to be funny. So kind of like, hey. And then it helps with the ladies if you got some nice clothes, you know, and a good tan and some, hmm. So I'm pumping and I'm working. And it helps to get that promotion at work, so you better show up early. You better stay late so the boss sees you. And while you're doing this, man, don't let anybody catch you messing up. Because if you fail, it could all fall apart. So you're kind of running like this, covering things up. I'm already breaking a sweat up here. I'm just getting started. And I've got these flashes of memories when this all 
kind of began to get in my system, and I can't ever identify. Was it like my parents that subtly communicated it? It doesn't seem like it was just that. Was it a teacher? Was it a coach? A church youth group leader? Was it just this voice in my head? And it just seems like it was everywhere. And I kind of wonder, like, was I just in the womb, you know? Just kind of doing this. I got to keep moving or otherwise mommy's not going to give me this yummy goodness. I know the cord's attached, but it might pull up. Stressed out. And Jesus says this word to us. Come to me. And I wonder, what is he talking about? So I look a little closer at Jesus' words. And that passage that we heard this morning. Where he starts to talk about his father. And he says, I praise you, Father. For you have hidden these things. And this part intrigues me. From the wise and the intelligent. And you have revealed it to infants. To little children. And that was your will. And I think about this. Is it something that's hard to get up here? But when it sinks in here, it totally changes us. And then I was remembering how Jesus would often go toe-to-toe with the religious leaders of his day. And lock horns with them intense debates and these debates would be about because the religious system of that day was rooted in a code a tradition of the elders that had been passed down for centuries going back to the time of Moses and it was the religious leader's responsibility as the priests of the people to tell everyone this is what God is like this is what it looks like to be in relationship with God and they would do this by teaching the Bible, what they called the Torah. And then where the Bible didn't necessarily fill in the blanks, they would kind of fill in the blanks to explain what this meant in particular situations. Marriage, family life, school, politics. And Jesus would debate with them about this over and over again. And they would say things to people like, do not listen to this guy. He's not obeying the Sabbath. He's not washing his hands before dinner and following the purity laws. He's not fasting the way you're supposed to. He's hanging out with the wrong people. You don't hang out with these people if you want to be connected to God. There's no way this guy could be from God. And Jesus, and I think the crux of his issue with the religious leaders, and isn't it so ironic that it's religious people that he was debating with, not unbelievers, the people that were devout, the people that knew the Bible. And I feel like Jesus was getting at this whole issue for him was how they portrayed the Father. And how people understood the Father through their teaching. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone that you cared about, someone that you knew, you could overhear someone talking about them, and they may be misrepresenting who they were, and other people were getting an impression about what that person was like that you knew, and you just felt you just like, I want to step in and say, no, that's not what they're like. That's not what he's like. I know him. He's different. And I hear Jesus saying, no, this is not what my father's like. He's gentle and he's humble in heart. What you're telling people is heavy burdens and it's going to weigh him down. And it gets to the point where Jesus says in this passage, no one, no one knows the father except the son. And whomever the son chooses to reveal him. No one knows the Father but me and whoever I choose to show him to. And who does Jesus choose? I often tell my youth I never ask rhetorical questions. Who does Jesus choose? This 
must not be the wise and the learned, must not be the people that have figured it all out and have kept it going for so long. Who does he say, come to me? You who are weary and heavy burdened. And I imagine sometimes what this must have been like for the religious leaders. Have you ever been in the situation where someone got something that you thought you deserved? Like you had earned it? Like, and you're frustrated by that? A little bitter? I have. I've been there. Like maybe you studied all night for the test and you got a B. And then somebody else who never does their homework gets an A. Or you worked really hard to close the deal and someone else gets all the credit. Or you cleaned the whole house, taking care of the kids all day, and you don't get one thank you. And it can be frustrating if you imagine this for the religious leaders where they have done everything they thought was right. And they have seen Jesus have the audacity to hang out with the people he hung out with, who were the outcasts, the unworthy, the sinners, the prostitutes, the people who were not following the code, and he would heal them and deliver them and say, the kingdom of heaven is yours. But I believe Jesus would want to reveal this reality of the Father to everyone. It's just the only people that would really come when he said come were those that were so weary they couldn't keep running. And then he would say, take my yoke. Because it's different than what you've heard. My father is different than what you've heard about. And how is he different? Well, he fixed the blown fuse. And the connection was brought back. I was over at my in-law's friend's summer cabin. We stayed there for a week. And they have one of these cherry decked out home theater systems. Have you seen these? Ten speakers surround sound. And this thing was nice. But we couldn't figure out how to turn it on. <laughs> Had ten remote controls. We are just looking for one on button. And I found the switch, right? It said on on it. So I pushed the switch. And then I heard this staticky sound. And then a pop. And I don't know a lot, but I know enough that that's not a good sound. <laughs> and when I looked at the system, it was completely shut off. The whole thing. And I'm like, I have just blown all of their speakers. I do not have $5,000 to fix this thing. And so I kept on trying to push the switch again. Like, okay, this time it'll work. And I just hit it again. Oh, this time it'll work. And then as I was doing that, I looked down and I saw these little blown fuses. And I think we got a picture of one up there. You can see it. Because I don't know how to describe it. A fuse is something that the power from the electrical cord is connected to this fuse, Right? And then it connects to the main circuitry of the sound system. And there's this little tiny metal piece in there that allows the electric current to flow through. But if there's a power surge, like when some guy hits the main power switch, (laughs) the fuse will burst and break rather than all the circuitry in the whole system bursting and breaking. So instead of replacing a $5,000 system, you just have to replace a five-cent fuse. Maybe you've heard stories... Sometimes it's subtle, but sometimes it's not, about this reality. And we see it in the Old Testament often, where God was so big and powerful that after the fall, we could not handle it. People could not handle it. Like picture Moses going up on top of the mountain, right? Now just picture the scene in your mind. He goes up to be in God's presence. And the whole mountain starts to what? Shake. 
And then they see billows of smoke. And then they see fire shooting off. What is this describing? A volcano. The mountain is erupting. And we can relate with the Israelite people who are standing at the base of the mountain. All right, Moses, you just go on ahead up there. Uh, You meet with God. We'll stay down here. And when you're done up there, you just come down here and tell us what he said. Because I'm not going up there. That mountain is erupting. Being God's presence. And this was the reality of what the religious leaders and what they often experienced back in the day. Was this God being near, but there's this disconnect. Because they could not handle the power. And they could not understand the reality of what the Father was really like. And so he would come really near, like in the temple, where they built these buildings. And he would dwell there, but only one person, once a year, would go into the inner course to be in his presence. And everyone else would stand outside. Very near, but there was this disconnect. And in Jesus, we see this all change. Like the fuse that I put back in the system and I hit the power switch, and all of a sudden the whole thing turned back on. The Son of God became the Son of Man, so that the sons and daughters of Adam could become the sons and daughters of God. The fuse gets reconnected. He lived the life we were created to live, died the death that we deserved. And then we have this reality that he introduces us to, where we don't have to keep on trying to like hit that switch, right? Keep on trying to figure out how to make the thing work, try to get it right, try to get the thing right. All of a sudden there's this connection that happens. Where there's this flow that was disconnected before that comes in us because now we're in Christ. And we have these closest followers of Jesus. And I picture this scene where they're standing outside of the temple. And they're amazed at this building. And here's the center of this religious system that they had built. And this was the place that everyone said, come to meet with God and be in his presence. And Jesus looks at it and says, it's over. The whole thing is destroyed. Come to me. And when you come to me, I will make you the temple. And I will put my spirit in you. And here these same close followers of Jesus have locked themselves in a room. After Jesus died because they're afraid that the same thing that happened to Jesus might happen to them if someone found them. And these are the ones Jesus chose. Maybe not the people we would choose. Maybe not the ones that we would pick in the first round of the draft to be the ones that would totally change the world. And here they are after a chance to prove themselves. Days later, in the moment of the greatest trial, they bailed on Jesus, betrayed his trust. And here they are, afraid, locked in a room. Doubting, they started to hear these stories that he was raised from the dead. No way, he's not raised from the dead. Feeling weary and heavy burden that everything they hoped for may be gone. And what does Jesus do as we read in this passage? And then for those of us that may have heard the passage and you say, yeah, yeah, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But what happens now that we're saved from our sins? What happens now that I know Jesus, but I sin again, and I doubt, and I'm afraid? What does he do then? Does he keep pouring life into me? I want you to lock yourself in the room that these disciples are locked into if you've ever thought that where you're hiding because of that fear and see what Jesus does. He appears to them and what? Breathes on them. This is strange, don't you think? Have you ever had someone breathe on you? This is not a Jewish custom. I looked it up. It's not there. 
He could have laid his hands on him. He could have just prayed for him. Said, here's the Holy Spirit. No, he... He said, peace, rest. I'm filling you up now. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, they must be blown away that he's like alive. And now he's breathing on them. And here we are, taken back to Genesis chapter 2. Can you picture this scene? Adam has just been formed by the, from the dust of the ground. He's not alive yet, but there he is. And what does it tell us God does? Breathes on him. It says he breathed into his nostrils. How close do you have to be to someone to breathe into their nostrils? If we were a youth group, I'd tell you to try to do it to your neighbor, but I won't. <laughs> How close do you have to be? I mean, you have to get, I mean, you have to get in. I mean, Jesus gets... I mean, really, I mean, so close that when Adam opened his eyes, what did he see? Bang, right there. Whoa! That's the first thing that he saw. Breathe on him, and the connection is back, and we are filled with this power that raised Jesus from the dead, that can heal, that can love when it seems like there's no way to love. And everything's flipped on its head. No longer do I have to perform well to be loved or to be able to pull things off but I perform and I'm able to do things because I'm loved do you see how this works the father isn't often who we think he is and he wants to give us his Holy Spirit again and again and again so you join with me in prayer Father, we pray that you will breathe on us now. And Lord, as we come today in worship to be able to sit at your table and to have communion together, Lord, I pray that you would fill us anew with your spirit and we would know the love that Jesus was talking about and the power that Jesus was talking about. So I pray, Lord, that you would Breathe on us now. In Jesus' name. Amen.